Welcome, everyone, to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley, a national news and talk program dedicated to military veterans issues. And now, your hosts, David Corey and Richard Hurley. Welcome, everybody, to the Veterans News Hour. We're uh, another exciting show. We have a guest tonight, Mr. Jason White. Before we get to uh, to Jason, uh, my co-host David Corey will not be with us tonight. Unfortunately, he's got some other things he has to handle, and uh, we'll miss him. David always has very insightful comments and always keeps the show going. Uh, but before we get to Jason, I wanted to bring up a couple of uh, things. You know, we've talked about on this show the the male problem at the VA, uh, and it's it's a male problem that the VA has a, a basically admitted to, and the Board of Veteran Appeals has admitted to, and uh, it's just been a, it's been a disaster for uh, since June of, of 2021. <clears throat> um, but uh, apparently, you know, I was in uh, I had a hearing last week, and I was talking to one of the judges and. She indicated to me that they'd hired they had hired this, and we 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 talked we tell everybody about this. They'd hired this company to, to handle the mail problem at, at the VA, and that turned out to just be a disaster. Uh, mail wasn't going out for six weeks, eight weeks, and it just was like I said, it was just a disaster. Well, apparently now it's been fixed, and uh, and I actually have noticed that. Mail is leaving the VA and arriving within a reasonable time like you'd expect it to, and that's terrific. Uh, however, for the last six, seven, eight months, we've had mail problems, and some of the mail problems include mail not making it to the veteran. Um, so I'm going to give you a, for instance, let's say you had a decision, a notice of a decision from the VA or a statement of the case, and you have a, you have a time, you're under a time, uh, limitation to, to file some sort of response to that, to that, uh, that decision. Like, you know, you might be appealing it to different levels. Uh, well, they're just not going to do anything about it. I asked the judge, I said, wait a second, what do you mean? She said, "Well, that's we're we're not we're not going to resend that document now that the mail has been fixed. We're not going to resend that particular piece of mail, and I'm just going to use a, a rating decision that has to be appealed within one year or a statement of case that has to be appealed. We're not we are not going to uh, resend that document." And I and I said to the judge, "I said, but wait a second. So that means." Some veterans out there who are unrepresented, who basically are clueless, they're stuck. They'll never be able to file an appeal to their case because they never got the decision. And the ramifications of that is just, it's it's mind-boggling. I mean, think about this. A veteran who has a PTSD claim or a playing for knees or shoulders and and he gets a, and and he gets the decision that either denies the claim or or gives it a low rating which we see all the time 
that decision, let's say, never gets to the veteran, well, he doesn't. He has no idea that that decision was ever even made. So he has no way of of responding, appealing to that decision. So what will happen? They'll end up closing it out after a year, and the veteran's stuck. So then, years later, the veteran says, he admit, let's say he hires an attorney, and he says, "Oh yeah, you know, I did file a claim, but I never heard from the VA." And then the lawyer, you know, gets a hold of the claims file and says, "Yeah, you were the, a decision was sent." And and the veteran says, "Yeah, but I never got it." So. The long and short of it is, is the veteran who might be entitled to a retro payment on that claim is now not going to, is stuck. He's not going to get it. And, you know, the lawyer is going to have to take the case and going to have to really do uh, his or her due diligence and bring up all these issues to the Board of Veteran Appeals, not the VA, because the VA won't, they won't care, but bring it up to the Board of Veteran Appeals. And at that point, the Board of Veteran Appeals maybe will see the error. They'll know that there was this problem back in 2021-2022, and maybe at that point, you know, the, the veteran will fix it. But I dare say that uh, I don't know how many veterans will probably just not even pursue it. And uh, once again, it's just one of those things that frustrates uh, me as an attorney representing veterans when I see this incompetence and the incompetence and how it affects our veterans uh, and, and and their inability to get the compensation that they deserve because they fought for their country. So in any event, you veterans who are listening out there, you you know, bring this up to your, your representative or your your lawyer and and let them know that you know they the uh lawyer the representative lawyer might wanna Look into if you've got a uh, if you're waiting for a decision and you haven't received it yet, you might want to check into it because it may be sitting in the clouds and it just never got to the lawyer's desk. So that's just some practical tips. And uh, let's now move on to my buddy Jason White. How are you, Jason? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, man. So what did you think of what I just uh, brought up about this mail situation? Pretty well, awful, huh? You know, you know, it, it absolutely is. And I've seen it firsthand myself dealing with a lot of the veterans that, you know, we deal with, you know, through Birdwell Foundation for PTSD, but as well, personally, not only in, let's just say claims, but there's the avenue to other appointments, right? And I've had appointments that I've never got information for which in turn affect my, you know, ability to show up to those appointments, which if those appointments are for ratings or anything else as well for further documentation and, and, uh, you know, know, continue healing, well, then you don't get any of those facets. You don't get to continue to heal. You got to go through the process of elongated waiting another appointment. So unfortunately, yes, it is very much a a broken system in in a lot of manners. And then it, it does, it falls on, their representatives who take it on, like yourself, you know, you and David, and and that's a, a another fight of time, and that's a hard, you know, bit of you know dealing with that because time in a lot of these veterans' um, lives is important. That's very exactly. Important. So, so Jason, let's go back a little bit. 
Um, you and I have been uh, friends. You're a, a client, and you're you're now a friend. So we've known each other for well over, I think, eight or nine years. And, Probably, uh, yeah. It's been nearly since I got out of the Marine Corps. So tell our listeners a little bit about your background as a Marine. You know, I put a little blurb on Facebook. And, uh, yes. you, you know, so go ahead and uh, fill in the, the blanks about your particular service. Well, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I started off as a foster kid. Let's just say that my father who adopted me was a Marine. So I had a lot of military background in the sense of the family I was adopted into. So naturally, as one of those, you know, uh, rough kids, I wanted to go above and beyond. I went into the Marine Corps, a lot of great influence. And, uh, you know, I served on September 28th. I'll never forget the date, September 28th, 2004, until February 1st, 2014, um, through in the Marine Corps. And I was 35, 31, Motor T, and uh, deployed as a provisional infantry. With amazing, amazing, you know, fellow brothers in arms, and we deployed another time, and then I got injured on a IED attack, which, you know, flew home a few weeks later. You know, at that time, it wasn't, you know, if you had all your arms and legs, and I was okay in the sense of physically, you know, on the external, but you, you kind of go back to duty. So that's what I did. Flew home, and you know, went through basically the treatment and areas to deal with what I was, you know, dealing with, especially through my transition to Quantico, Virginia, which wasn't the same as the, you know, Camp Lejeune Marine Corps, right? And uh, it's a different kind of base. So, you know, went through that healing process and ended up being medically retired. You know, we we talk about all the time, um, and and by the way, I I should have said this when we started the show, if anyone would like to call in and speak to Jason or speak to uh, myself, the number is 1-888-627-6008. Again, that number is one triple eight six two seven six zero zero eight. You know, we we always talk about the adjustment to civ- civilian life, and you know, as a civilian, I never served. I know David's talked about this. That adjustment to civ- civilian life is uh, 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 pretty pretty difficult, and at times it can be her- uh, pretty horrific for a lot of our veterans and. And we're going to get into what what your found you know the foundation you work for what they do with the PTSD and and suicide efforts. But uh, describe a little bit about you know you you you're in the service you're you you wake up in the morning you have a uh, a routine that's prescribed to you and, and you have a job to do and you go about and do it and now all of a sudden you come home and all that's gone the, the military life is gone and now you're you're faced to kind of in your case, dealing with PTSD and you're kind of dealing with some of your demons. So describe a little bit about that for some of our listeners who are not veterans and who did not serve. Well, no, absolutely. You know, I put it like this and and I hope it, you know, this is how I conceptualized it, you know, in the military, no matter what branch you go into, you know, let's just use my branch example of the Marine Corps. You know, there's that whole, you know, kind of uh, folklore, it's not really folklore, but, you know, they're the biggest, the baddest, the toughest. Well, you know, that stuff is not just in the physical training. You know, being in, being in the military, being a Marine specifically, is much more than physical. It's, it's, you know, it's emotional, it's mental, it's psychological. And those organizations, those military branches, they do in that training, they formulate an ideology and they ingrain those abilities and those knowledges into you. It's psychological, you know, and, and, 
in a way, it, it is very transforming for a human being to anybody, especially at a young age, to go in there, right? It's just like anybody if that from a young age, they absorb information and those kind of things become a part of their life. Well, you know, when you transition out, there isn't that capacity for much that psychological training. You go through three months in the Marine Corps, you know, and all these tasks to, you know, break down yourself and be broken down from a human being and become a Marine, right? So that's what you are. That's who you identify with. That's how you identify in the world at, at that time. And there is no, you know, really three months training or actually longer, right? Because it takes a lot longer to break habits, whether they're positive or negative, and, and to be able to transition that psych- psyche back into a daily operating world, which you're not, you know, at the same level of attentiveness. You're not sure you shouldn't be, you know, your hypervigilance doesn't need to be in that severe in those areas, but then it is, you know, the, the chemical dumps of adrenaline that go through your body during combat and at such random times, those don't stop when you come home. They don't. At random time when you're home, you could be sitting and one little sound could trigger the chemical influence of all these things that affect your behavior and your thoughts and your triggers. So, you know, it it takes a long time to really go through that and process that. And some people like myself, I didn't get that real hard, that training, that, 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 that mentorship, that guidance. And until I really, you know, sought out the right programming and and the right fellow people, you know, uh, to make it that way. And I always say, you know, this is a motto that we have, but we live by it because it's a lifestyle, but no one heals alone. I couldn't do it by myself. So, you know, you I didn't go through the Marine Corps by myself. You know, um, when you came home and we, we met, I still remember when our first meeting, I think it was at that restaurant in Ocala, and um, you were you were struggling. You're struggling with, with your job. You're struggling with uh, your family family life. And, and uh, you know, you yeah, – I, I really felt for you. And, you know, fortunately – you, you place in life. I mean, I can. I remember you seeing me that way. It's a different person back then. Yeah, yeah. I, I look at your picture and I'm like, wow, look at that guy. You know, <laughs> and uh, I saw your, you know, your picture when you sent it in for the, to put it on the show, and how good you look. Um, but when you were, you know, and and the way you're, the way you're describing, you know, I'm, I've been in the the AA program now for almost 15 years. And the way you're describing your recovery is so similar to the recovery in in the AA program or the NA program um, that you can't do it yourself, and, and you've got to get mentors and you got to get people to help you along the way. And and you did that to your credit. You know, you you were hyper vigilant about your recovery process. And I know uh, you and I've talked about Hank Whittier with Vets Helping Vets and and other people in that program who uh, who, who helped you. Oh, uh, we have a caller. Please. Who do we have? Hello? Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm calling in reference to uh, the guy you're talking to, Jason White. Yeah. I, I think his story is just, first and foremost, I think his story is simply amazing. You know, just simply amazing. And we uh, understand that a lot of our veterans go through that type of trauma, and it takes someone like Jason to continue to spread that awareness uh, nationwide. 
I've been following Jason a long time and what he does across America, especially in Florida with Warrior Wheels, Burwell Foundation, and itself is this exemplary. And in addition to that, wow, some of the inside stuff that Jason does is just simply amazing, you know, and I love that guy. Also, I'm the corporate director of the Burwell Foundation for PTSD. I'll tell you, if the employees that we have, such as like Jason, simplify my brother. He's amazing. Simplify, Roger. How are you doing, Roger? Aren't you down in Florida yourself, Roger? Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm currently, Jason. I'm currently in, uh, as you know, probably West Palm Springs, Florida. You know, we're down here. Right, we work right. with a lot of behavioral centers that uh, are accredited by the VA so that we can get that true community care for our veterans without all the red tape politics in bureaucracy. So, Richard, this is Roger Marshall. I want you to meet him. This is, I'm glad he, he called in. He's been moving around all day today. But this is, um, this is my, my fellow Marine, Roger Marshall, Richard Hurley. You know, I think we've actually crossed paths in some areas past, so... We'll have to get together, Roger, and, and I really appreciate you calling in and and all the support that uh, you've helped with, with Jason. And like I said, you know, I, I saw Jason eight, eight some odd years ago, and to see him today is just, uh, it's just amazing. It's just such a credit to... You know, and Richard, this is, Roger's one of those, uh, the fellow, you know, fellow Marines that I honestly leaned on to, the, the, to make it to this point, you know, to be able to do that. You know, one of my personal mentors myself, so... You know that's that's what it takes. Absolutely. Well, Roger, thank and you I for calling just in. Throw it back Go and ahead. say thank you for the Veteran News Hour, man. Thank you guys for what you're doing. I salute you guys and simplify, Jason. Simplify. My dad was a Marine. Simplify. So uh, he's, he's passed on now, but uh, anyway. So, uh, Jason, uh, that was nice that Roger called in. Um, so you had all this, all these people like Roger help helping you out along the way, but to your credit, uh, you didn't sit back at home and kind of hide, hide in the dark. Uh, you, you went out and realized you needed to do something. You had kids, you know, you, you had to step up and, yeah, and be responsible. So tell us a little bit about that part of your journey. Well, you know, as you know, and very openly, you know, I went through intense childhood trauma. But at the very realistic point of that, I was also going through a divorce, right? And that divorce kind of made me contemplate a lot of those areas, as well as just that whole avenue of me being in, you know, not transitioning appropriately into my family life, civilian life, and how that affected that. And though those times back then, it was that way. I was, I was isolating. Now at the time, I was right. I was very out. I had a lot of veterans surrounding me, and it made it, you know, it made it easier to, you know, go to them, I did at times, but there's also that facet to where I realized at points in my life then where I didn't reach out when I knew I had, like, literally, you know, a, a phone filled with veterans I could have called at any moment, and and I had my moments of weakness like that, but that's, that, that was the difference was those people as well on my phone, you know, those fellow veterans, they also called me, and that was something that not only you know, happened then, but those same people continue to do that now. So, you know, I did have it and I take a lot of avenue to that. You know, I had to build myself up and, and say enough is enough, but you know, I don't know where other roads would have led if I didn't have people like Johnny Valentine, who's currently commending fences, you know, um, and you know, who, you know, really in a, in a courthouse when he was one of the veteran facilitators in the courthouse, 
literally check me like a Marine and say, hey, you need to do something. You know, taking those actions of yourself, that's what we are as humans. We have to take action. And, you know, we know what's right and what's wrong. And I did. I dealt too hard, honestly, into what was wrong and, and try to avoid all those things. But I also realized between my children and my, my, my life, I wasn't going to have that avenue of failure. And not just because I'm a Marine, I, I have, I understood self-confidence and, and, and I understood what was being instilled in me by all these individuals, you and, 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 and Gary Pascal and, and just the individuals in the community that, you know, just supported these efforts throughout the years. It, it showed me that I didn't, at one point, I realized as though I, I, I let go and I didn't reach out to anybody. And I knew that's the only failure, that's the only bottleneck, I kind of used that term, that I had was when I didn't reach out. And it didn't matter to me, it was my culture. I needed to be around and reach out to those right people. And some of those people just, they were serious as, as, as you know, life or death in how much they wanted you alive. That's how much they wanted you alive. So people like Johnny, Roger, and Hank, and... And, and other individuals, you, you know, that's that motivation that kept me pushing beside the fact that, yeah, my children, you know, I knew I needed to be that example. You know, I didn't want to, it's hard to disgrace that ability to, of being a Marine. And, and honestly, you live by those core values. They don't stop. It's, and, and that causes some issues, right? That's what we're mm-hmm. talking about a little bit ago, how they transition. But if you learn how to transition those values, it can you know alleviate those issues, but you can live by those values, and then you you know you're you're you live by a new life that code where you know you do this to continue. You know, I know a lot of people that have done before. We um, you know I represented you, and I got you up, up to your hundred uh, percent for, for your disabilities, uh, and then and of course and that, was representation. A, that was a hard fight too. That was a hard fight. That was a hard fight, but we won. And and it's about being persistent, you know. Never, and you used to call me up and get all upset, and I'd say, "Look, just stay in the boat. We're going to be fine. We just got to be persistent, and we'll wear them down, and we're going to win because you're entitled to this." Um, but you know, so we were we were in touch with each other a lot during the litigation, and then I remember you kind of after it was over. You kind of fell a little bit away, and I kind of lose track of you, and then I'd reach out to you. And, um, at one point, you ended up over at uh, Camp Hope in Houston. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about Camp Hope? Yeah, I went to um, one of Mr. Birdwell's programming, and, and that's where it was, you know, Johnny Valentine checked me. I was going through a lot of things in my personal life, so I ended up going there to, you know, be around fellow veterans and you know and heal and that's where i took honestly a point in my life to say focus on that you know point that treatment that that avenue of strength for myself and and that's where i you know that's where i connected with roger marshall and mr birdwell and and mike Davila. you know the you know he was mike mike was my mentor and mike is now with camp Fowler and uh he you know, runs that program at Camp Valor with with the Birdwell Foundation. But that program was really just, you know, sought to take that four and a half months I was there to be around my fellow, you know, brethren, my fellow veterans, and focus on myself and everything, not just from combat, just everything that was affected. You know, we went through 
different conceptualizations, different process of AA. We had celebrate recovery and, and, you know, we were able to work out, but it was structured. Everything was structured. Wake up in the morning, make your bed, do everything. And, and that, that's that, that is like, that is that, that, that recycle, that training that what we do now with Camp Valor offers is, is that restructure, yes. take that time out into your life and, you know, and heal, focus on that avenue. And that's what it was for me. And, and you know. I remember when, when I went out there to visit you and, um, it, you know, you, you, if I remember correctly, when you first get there, you're in what they call blackout and you're not allowed yeah. to, you're not allowed to be with anybody except your mentor, uh, no phone access. And, and that's yeah. quite a, quite a lengthy time. And then slowly you move into uh, communal living, and then you're given, you know, the the bad jobs, cleaning the toilets, and just like you're back in the service, right? It's almost like structured, like you. Well, were yeah, in the we, everybody had transitional tour, do like um, you know, duties in the morning, so we all shared that ability to, you know, clean the clean the barracks. Basically, the it was beautiful, obviously, but it wasn't like the barracks. But you know, we had to do that and clean up and then, you know, go work is either work out and, and then, you know, go to classes and, and go to those groups that were just with fellow and run by fellow, you know, vets. I remember uh, looking out and you had, there, there were pockets at Camp Hope where there was a flag of fire, uh, outdoor fireplace and different places where you could all sit and commiserate together and 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 share and I you know I obviously sharing your experiences and your strengths and your hopes uh, I'm sure that was a big big part of your recovery right well you know beside absolutely when you know and and that's what we do in that capacity that's really where it formulates you know doing what I do now with Birdwell Foundation for PTSD that's where it is the core is sitting down with your fellow veterans first responders their family members you know even now with our Birdwell Kids program, it's sitting down with them and going through that together. And it's not always, you know, you know, you know, at the core of hearts and feelings of getting through those issues. Sometimes it is just the banter, but the banter leads into, you know, I've been through that too. And then there's conversation and you're now you're exposing something you've had locked inside of you for years and years to someone who's honestly either been through something very similar or you've, you're able to share those kind of experiences with, you know, and that's something I, you know, in a lot of different programs is an avenue that, you know, but I've held on to that, you know, you know, Roger calling and Roger's one of those people where, and I do groups now and, and run our warrior groups, but there are still times like in any human, you need to reach out. And I use, you know, individuals like Roger to say, Hey, I need to be, I need a reality check, you know? And, and that's what that was. It was in, you know, there's times we even utilize that now where you, you sit around that fire and you maybe look at your resentments, write them down, and you end up, you know, put them in that fire and burning, and you're burning it. But you're surrounded by other people, fellow veterans, and, you know, we used to do what was called our fourth step, which was basically telling our whole story to the individuals that wanted to hear it to help get it all out. And that was the very intimate avenue of really, you know, being willing because these people you've either, you know, you, you live by a code with them. That's, that's what it is. You live by a code. If you have never served with, on the dirt with them, you probably served in the same dirt and it's a code of life. So you end up 
being so comfortable and, and these are your these are your people, it's your family. So you end up telling them these these avenues, but it gets it out of you. And then they're all there to bear that weight for you, and you're there to bear that weight for them. So you've you mentioned the Birdwell Foundation uh, quite a few times here, and Roger, and uh, so let's uh, let's go into it. So you you now are are home from New uh, from Camp Hope. You're you're processing forward, and I know you you started your own foundation, uh, and then um, got into the Birdwell. So why don't you tell us about that part of your journey? Absolutely. So you know. I've been with the team and Mr. Birdwell for years, and, and, and Roger's one of those people that has carried me on. And, and you know, I don't know if they saw the light in me or they just knew I could draw better with crayons as a Marine. But, um, you know, I joined that team, and it was this expansive network of just fellow vets, first responders, and their families. And that's what we focus on with, with Birdwell Foundation for PTSD. And, and I've been with them for, what, three, four years now and really expanding the services and groups. Um, but, yeah, so and an aspect of that was, when you speak about the other foundation, Warrior Wheels Foundation, it, it came about by Birdwell, and, and it was kind of, you know, uh, it was a blessing by the community, and, and it was a hard thing to deal with as well for this community. But, um, you know, I, was, I do crisis intervention, obviously. We do all the, you know, we have boots on the ground, and we, are on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if we get a call anywhere, we go, you know, you know, we, we go and handle that. And if that's pulling the gun out of the mouth, then that's what we do and take them to treatment. But, you know, so that was and beside all the other social services and, 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 and advocating and, and providing the programs for the treatment facilities to, you know, get the right tracks for their veterans. You know, I was doing crisis intervention, and um, we got a call here in the community. I got a buzz from a bunch of people, and we were on the roll trying to get a hold of this veteran. And unfortunately, you know, by the time anybody could get a hold of him, he he became part of the 22. His name was Terry. And um, that was hard for me to deal with. You know, that's, you know, as veterans, as, as veterans, we experience loss. As first responders, you experience loss so much as well. And doing this, it's kind of, we, it's the avenue where we say we're the first responders for our vets and first responders. So it, it's internally experienced the, that loss again, and that was hard because we lost a brother. But the community ended up, his family, donating a motorcycle to some people in the community that, you know, wanted to donate to a vet or first responder. And, and um, I ended up meeting them, Parrish Tanner, a wonderful, wonderful man, and some other great individuals, uh, Chris Shewers and Ben Counts and and uh, Brooke Counts, and we just they they wanted to keep it going. So because it was kind of personal, us meeting and and I took those calls and I met their family. We kept on doing that, so we continued doing it, and we started Warrior Wheels Foundation that specifically supports Birdwell Foundation and their programming and the access to treatment and. Um, you know, so we donate motorcycle cars and trucks to them. Vets who need vehicles, you know, to get to work and keep the family going, motorcycles for the camaraderie. And then we have the Heroes Bike Giveaway that we're doing to raise support and awareness and some funds for the foundation and expand the programming and services. But, you know, that's where Warrior Wheels came from. But, you know, Birdwell, after four years and, and really pushing for our whole entire culture, to let them know what what we're here to do and from 
going to their door to handling services and benefits and and being there in the support groups to advocating in court like we recently did with Longwell uh, law with Longwell Law and getting a, a veteran in a high profile situation uh, who was injured and shot because he was having a PTSD episode and getting him out on bond to get him right to treat and you know. So that's kind of like been my life. It's a lifestyle. It's also healing for me, too. I say that very adamantly because it's not a job at all. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. I continue to be a Marine and, and myself, Roger, some other individuals, Matthew and Hannah Clark and Josh Clark, you know, even Mr. Burgle himself. It boots on the ground to be able to, you know, be that crisis intervention across the nation and to all of our vets and first responders and, and give them an outlet that sometimes they're not able to get through the VA. And, you know, not only the clinical avenues that we utilize, but, you know, the peer support and having that expansion to housing and, and Camp Valor and what we're doing in Florida, you know. So it's really just, honestly, sometimes I think about it, Rich, you know, it's, it's, every, it's that we're here to pick up everything that there's a, a bottleneck in all the gaps in the system. We're here to, you know, navigate and work with our people because no one heals alone. So that's the motto we live by, literally. If if you just tuned in, we're talking to Jason White, uh, a Marine veteran who's involved with the Birdwell Foundation, and which is an organization, nonprofit organization that helps uh, veterans and first responders dealing with uh, many disabilities. Um, uh, especially uh, the mental PTSD, anxiety, and depression. If you'd like to call in, our number is one triple eight six two seven six zero zero eight. Again, one eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. Call in and speak to Jason. Um, Jason, I got a question for you. Someone, is, let's say, is yeah. listening to the show right now, and maybe he's white knuckling it, or she's white knuckling it. How do they? How do they find the Birdwell? What do they do? Well, honestly, you know, the easiest way to come down to it is, you know, to reach out to us directly. You know, our numbers, the phone numbers that we have are online on the Birdwell Foundation website. So that's www.birdwellfoundation.org. And I give everybody, when it comes down to Florida, my personal, my, I have a, a, our number directly that comes right to us, and that's 352 Seven eight nine five nine zero nine. We also have some permanent crisis call numbers. I'm going to repeat that a couple times too because that's important. But if if they're in crisis, they call eight three zero eight two 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 five six three across the nation, and they'll be directed right to a fellow veteran first responder that will be on the line with them, and if needed, right to the door, we'll get their location. And anywhere in the country, we will get there. Whether we're driving, we're flying. Um, you know, or we're running to their door because we're down the street. That is what we do. There's also family services. Um, uh, and I, you know, for the crisis call line, 830-822-2563. But, you know, and it's important to also have these separations and, I don't, you know, and let people know what is there for them. So family services, a hotline that they can call and get directly to the family services is 915 915- Six zero three nine four four eight nine one five six zero three nine four four eight, and even for the first responders, I mean, the first responders have that the ability, and you know, that's where we have fellow first responders. Some of them are vets themselves, but those fellow 
first responders are there to handle those issues, you know, from someone that, you know, serves that line as well. And that number is 888-316-0123. But by all means, all those numbers are on the Birdwell Foundation website at birdwellfoundation.org. So I urge them to check that out, call those numbers, and, and just, you know, see what's available in their area, whether it's a support group or having a support group started in the area or anything they need. So um, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, Veterans Court in, in Marion County. It's We've got it pretty much throughout the state of Florida. Um, does Birdwell Very much so. get, yeah, and I know the judge over there in Marion is a terrific guy. Um, do you guys work with the bird, with the, the veterans court? Well, very closely, very court closely with the court in general. So, you know, a lot of veterans may not qualify, but for veterans court, yeah, there is an avenue where you know, honestly, there's a lot of mentors in those programs. So we may serve as mentors for veterans court, but as you know, providing that application to, treatment through Camp Valor and our other resources with retreat behavioral health and bending fences and, uh, and, and providing the service and the mentorship to make him go through Vets Corps. I'm a graduate of Vets Corps myself. Johnny Valentine, that's where kind of he comes in. He was with Vets Corps. Now he's with mending fences doing the more therapeutic side. But we very much sit down with him because they go through a year-long program, and that's we're there to help them focus through that and, you know, make all the goals that they're there to make. We, as well, very specifically, you know, in the cases that no qualify for Veterans Court, you know, we deal with that very specifically, too. You know, we had a recent case, um, and uh, people can look it up online. It's on, on the website. But, um, you know, where we went in, where I got speaking earlier about a veteran who had a PTSD episode, and... He was literally, you know, thinking he was seeing people coming in there to raid him, and, and, and there was no one there. He ended up getting shot by the police, and um, unfortunately, five times. And mm. he, you know, the police, you know, did life-saving actions, and they, they were very, you know, pre- presented their condolences about the situation. They didn't want to have to deal it out with the veteran either, but they saved his life even after shooting him five times. And he was up for not going on bond, not getting medical treatment, mental health treatment. And we, you know, we, we advocated and, and, and stood in behalf of, you know, of really all veterans in, in handling these cases from a mental health standpoint, a legal standpoint. And we were able to, uh, you know, support him and get him out on bond. And that was the primary purpose. They were the state was trying to deny that, but we got them on bond to be able to go through treatment and formulate that regular treatment through us. And and how, you know, and and the whole navigate the VA system and through his physical healing to his mental health healing and 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 beyond. You know, obviously there's still repercussions in certain areas, even with veterans court, but. You know, when the when the community, when our country knows that there is a platform, an organization of individuals specifically that are willing to advocate like this, myself and Roger Marshall do specifically, um, to be able to handle these kind of situations, it takes that load off of the legal system of our communities and making sure that these veterans are not just left by the wayside or are left in the gap. And no matter what it is, we're going to, you know, lead them to success in any avenue, whether it's medical treatment, mental health treatment, and you know, how would that 
done. You know, whatever's right for them and works for them. I used to, uh, prior to getting involved with veteran, uh, veterans law, <clears throat> when I was practicing in New Jersey, I was very, I, I, I was in the criminal courts probably more than any other courts. And uh, so I've got a lot of background in criminal law. And I still, every once in a while, I find myself getting into uh, federal criminal court, not state, but federal. And, yeah. and I had a case, uh, a young man in Alabama, I'm still working on his case, actually. Um, and he, um, he got in trouble with social security. And, uh, when, when I was getting ready to, he pled guilty and we're getting ready to have sentencing and the government was looking for, for 36 months. And, um, he was a combat wow. veteran like yourself, Iraq. I was trying to get it down to eight to 10 months and, and hopefully get him, uh, home, you know, in house if I could. One of the things he had was he had a gambling problem. He wasn't a drinker. He didn't have a drug problem, uh, but he had a gambling uh -huh. problem. And his gambling problem was his coping mechanism. And I had, a, you know, a great uh, expert on his case that, you know, I worked with the, the expert and, and we basically, and we, and we used it for his VA case as well. But we, but basically, it, it it argues that he suffers from PTSD, and his coping mechanism mechanism was his gambling, which led to his social security issues and and uh, ultimately his his criminal charges. So when and I was getting ready for sentencing, I was trying to figure out an avenue for this judge. And here we are in Alabama, and the judge at one time was first assistant under Jeff Sessions, who was a former attorney general in Alabama and kind of conservative. So I was thinking, Oh my God. So I started going off on the whole PTSD and the judge was terrific. I mean, she basically let me go on for like 20, 25 minutes giving a, uh, uh, a lecture on, on PTSD and how, it, it related to this particular veteran's problems resulting in his criminal problems. By the time I was done, she, she ended up agreeing with me and she lowered his, uh, his sentence eight to 10 months, infuriated the government lawyers because he did have one prior. Yeah. Uh, but here was a situation which, you know, I like, I, I'll never forget that where this judge who was very conservative, under, understood, listened. She really listened to how, how you know the effects of, of PTSD and and how awful it is for and and, and the impact that it has on on a veteran. And she You're was willing with that first to, hand, to, you know, to give the guy a break. That's a hard. Absolutely, and that's not a, it's not something that's easy defendable, even in the. You know, in these cases, when you have stuff like that and they're associated to the VA, there's VA representatives from the state that deal with directly with VA services. And, and like with that case, you know, and, and, and specifically with our case, you know, the VA representative was trying to push for no bond and they work for the state under the specific aspect to relating to veterans and uh, mental health services. And, and, you know, and it takes, it does, it takes, it takes, Oh, people like yourself, individuals, to be able to advocate and push those right things, you know, 
that's something I, you know, maybe connecting you after this as well with um, Mark Longwell from Longwell Lawyers, who really, you know, he's the one that set up that and assisted us with that avenue to support that veteran there. And, you know, those avenues, I'm sure you guys deal with similar aspects, you know, oh, yeah. even now. Uh, we're we're getting close to the end of the show. We're not done yet, but why don't you give us those uh, email addresses and those phone numbers again for anyone who may have just uh, uh, gotten on the show? Absolutely, absolutely. So anybody, when it comes to veterans, first responders, their families, they can go right on to burnwellfoundation.org. And you can on there, you'll see so many different chapters that are across the country and information. Um, in regards to how they can get, you know, services in their location. You know, really for when it comes to anybody in crisis, our crisis line is 830-822-2563, 830-822-2563. And no matter your veteran, first responder, or family member, you'll be directed, you'll be, the phone will be answered by a fellow veteran, first responder, or family member, and then you'll be directed to somebody that can assist you directly in your area um, and to handle anything that really comes about. So that's, again, 830-2563. They can reach out to us at the Birdwell Foundation and with that jason.white at birdwellfoundation.org. They go on the website, check out it. We're on Facebook with Birdwell Foundation and Warrior Wheels Foundation and um, sign up to you know, receive a motorcycle or a car or get the hero's bike and, and really sign up to get the services from our culture uh, where no one heals alone. So what are your, your, your specific duties with Birdwell? I know you, t- you talked about a lot of different things that are going on with Birdwell, but what is, what's Jason White doing specifically with, with Birdwell? Well, specifically, I handle as a director for the state, you know, and manage all the crisis intervention that comes about. I do that with a couple individuals that are throughout here, and uh, Ryan Onda from he's one of our teammates down in South Florida. But between me and him and Roger, we cover all the crisis intervention, and then primarily build upon and provide the the support groups, the warrior groups, um, you know, to provide those services. We do lean on it, a lot of great other individuals to help us with our team. You know, Michael McKinney and his wife Laura and it's set up a lot of the avenues of services at the VFWs. And, um, you know, and then obviously in the primary aspect of those, you know, some of the more formal things like yourself, handle that legal aspect of advocating and representing our veterans to be able to get their appropriate treatment, you know, uh, and whether that's through the legal system or appropriating and creating those programs for the treatment facilities, like ending fences or treat behavioral health that really hones in the actual treatment that's that's needed. Uh, that's also associated to those VA programs that's uh, accredited by the community care. So we just you know, handle the, you know, really the avenues to approach to the to the healing for our culture. I know you, uh, prior to going on the, the air tonight, we talked about some of the uh, Birdwell Foundation's plans for the future, and, and one of them was to start a, Similar to the Camp Hope, uh, you guys call it Camp Valor, uh, right here in Florida. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, absolutely. We're working right now with, you know, and looking in for those interested in, in 
in the community development for Camp Valor, which is the interim housing in a, in a full tiered structure to eliminate any of the homeless in, in this out here in, in the state of Florida and provide a treatment avenue for our vets, first responders, and their families, which would be, you know, on uh, on Camp Valor in Houston, it's on 10 acres, and we have a lot of expansive land out here, but really creating that primary program for the peer support for the culture and then having those avenues of tiered, you know, housing, uh, which we call the Birdwell House, you know, where they can, you know, receive that treatment, where they receive housing, but, you know, that's our ultimate goal is to have that, you know, full facility and the housing options that we can utilize to support our veterans. But that also takes, you know, an effort and the community to come together and, and want to be able to help support that avenue. And that's what we're looking to do and come together and, and build that support and not take away from any other service, but utilize the, you know, a really good aspect of bringing all these organizations and services under one area to really focus those treatments that can affect everybody across the country because it's open to anybody in the country that is a veteran, first responder, or family member. And, and Birdwell's a nonprofit, so if somebody's listening to this show and they wanted to uh, donate to Birdwell, um, how would they do that? They can go on to birdwellfoundation.org and just write down to donate, and those those donations go to support the direct access for the treatment for our heroes and getting them to the treatment and providing that treatment. So they can go right on there and, and, and send that donation and can communicate with us. There's options for email and in comments to, you know, be able to help support the mission or even the avenue of partnerships to create these avenues that we're looking to build and we have built in Texas. You know, one of the, one of the things that I, whenever it comes to these these programs, and I know Wounded Warrior had some issues, and you know, and when I when I talk to uh, people who want to help veterans, and uh, one of the concerns always is, well, I want to donate, but I want to make sure the money's getting to the veteran. So putting on a spot a little bit, how do, tell, tell everybody out there uh, basically how the money that's coming in the Birdwell is going to get to the veteran where it needs to get. Well, number one, you know, we are a nationally operating organization, but we operate in different states. So when you specifically donate, when you donate to a specific state, that, those funds go to support those veterans in that area in that specific state. And then we do, you know, fundraising that does supply to the national it goes directly for those veterans to have direct access treatment. That means getting their flights, the logistics, and handling that for us to be on a team on the ground to be able to go to their door at any given moment and handling the treatment. And, of course, that goes in turn to, you know, having those sponsored uh, treatment through Camp Valor and and uh, and having that ability to be able to stay there and, and heal through a time that they need to. So all of that directly goes into support of the mission of direct, you know, of eliminating and eradicating veteran suicide. You brought up a good point in terms of uh, you know the money going to help get a veteran on a plane, wherever, and then uh, the travel expense. All the let's 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 say let's talk about like an, an average veteran who needs needs to be picked up by plane and brought somewhere. What's what's the cost involved in something like that? Well, to be honest with you, say they don't go through the VA system and say they don't have it through the VA system. Maybe they're only resourcing them to a specific 
treatment facility, which there's numerous ones on the community care list if you're aware of. Right? But mm-hmm. they only are saying, I want to go send them to this one. Well, veterans have that right option of treatment, but where they can advocate for themselves and some of them don't know how to do it to the fullest. But, you know, on an average flight, it can range, especially at crisis, at need, at the minute you need it. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas in the middle of the time and you're getting, you need to get a flight to get to the treatment, which is one of us escorting them there specifically through that avenue. We're not just going to say, here, jump on a plane and go. We're going with them wherever they need to go, whether it's Camp Valor or the other specific treatment that we're utilizing them. But that costs between three to five hundred dollars, if not more, on a any on a, on a let's just say last minute basis. Uh, you know, those can range even into a couple of thousands, depending on the, the time and the situation. And obviously, when there's times, obviously when we have you know pre you know uh, you know handle the logistics and and know when the flight may need to go out after that someone may be leaving or in treatment. But even those, those avenues to get them to the appropriate treatment or, or provide those escorts and the ability to provide them with the treatment, you know, that that itself is, you know, can, you know, if you do get a cheap ticket, 150 to $300. So, and that's just one minute avenue of what we utilize beside, you know, being boots on the ground or handling any of the peer support and providing the groups and, and at times, not only that, and, and you know, meals and and clothing and with, to get to those groups. Now, uh, Camp Valor um, is out in Texas, and um, you, you told me earlier it's on ten, ten acres of land. Uh, and yes. uh, how many veterans, on an average, are there at any given time? To be honest with you, I would Mike. I would say that, that you know, Mike D is Mike Davila. He's my mentor. He's now the one of the um, leaders over there at Camp Valor, but on any given time, and right now we are actually at, uh, assumably what we call is capacity, right? But it could be you know fifteen to thirty veterans at a time, and we're not in the business of you know turning away veterans, so we'll find them space, and we're building space, and and Texas has been um, uh, you know been growing and and operating, and and Florida's right there at the cusp of you know looking at those facilities and and those operation to build here and have that option of closer treatment rather than, you know, the logistics to Texas or some other treatment areas. Well, Jason, we're coming to the close here. And once again, you've been on our show a couple of times and it's always fun to have you. And you're always got a, a lot a of energy. Range. You got always got a lot of energy and, and uh, love for your fellow veterans. And it really shows. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to have you well, as a friend. I appreciate you being on and it just, being that support for over the years, you know, what you're doing is above and beyond for our veterans and, and, and their families. It's not an easy thing. You help me beyond, you know, words and explanation at times. And, and really, you know, this is what we do. It's what we have to do to continue this. So I appreciate everything that you're doing and providing that education, and those knowledge for, you know, for veterans to be able to understand what, what it looks like to, to go through this. But we are here for them. You, myself, Birdwell Foundation for PTSD and Warrior Wheels Foundation all the way. It's it's about helping to save lives. So, Jason? Absolutely. Where no one heals alone. Let's get together, have some lunch. You take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. And thanks again for joining the Veterans News Hour. Thank you, Rich. Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Well, that was Jason White, and uh, what, a, what a wonderful young man and all the things he and his organization is doing to help our veterans. 
we're coming to a close here, and I uh, briefly want to talk about our Coaching in the Care program. Uh, coaching in the Care helps you help your veteran, just like Jason's doing. They have licensed psychologists and social workers. It's free of charge. Coaching in the Care program number is one triple eight eight two three seven four five eight. Again, that number is one eight 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 two three seven four five eight. We also talk about <clears throat> veterans who have uh, trouble um, uh, uh, with suicide. If you know of any veteran who's in crisis of any kind, the veteran can call the crisis line at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. I want to thank uh, Doug, our producer. I want to thank David Corey, Richard Hurley, who are supporters of this program, and uh, all the other people who tune in to the Veterans News Hour. So everyone, enjoy the rest of your week, and good night. Thank you for listening to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley. We hope you found this week's program very informative. Be sure to invite your friends and all the veterans you know to tune in next week when we'll have another great show on veterans' issues. Meanwhile, you can listen to our other recorded episodes on the Veterans News Hour webpage on bbsradio.com. Thanks again for listening to the Veterans News Hour.